the next part of his early morning ritual. A decade ago, in the foothills of our relationship, this kind of exchange would have qualified as a full-blown argument, one of those violent eruptions that had the potential to capsize the entire affair. Even five years ago, roughly halfway through our marriage, it would have constituted a significant disagreement. Now it is no more than a footnote to the narrative of married life. As I walk up the stairs to the top floor of the house to wake our sleeping children, I decide that relationships are like pieces of elastic, where a little tension is permissible, even desirable, if the two ends are to remain bound together. Too slack and everything falls apart, like those marriages where people say they never argue and which then overnight dissolve into nothing, not even recrimination. Too much tension and they snap. It's all about equilibrium. The trouble is, generally, there is no forewarning when you are about to lose balance. I curse as I trip over a Lego model on the stairs and it breaks into tiny bits, joining forces with some toy cars and an arm that used to belong to an action man. My chin comes to rest on the top step, and, tucked into the side of the carpet, I spot a tiny lightsaber no more than an inch long, that belongs to one of Joe's Star Wars models. It vanished a couple of months ago in suspicious circumstances after our mercurial toddler, Fred, mounted a covert operation into his brother's bedroom in the early hours of the morning. How long have I wasted searching for this lightsaber? How many tears have been shed over its disappearance? For a brief moment I rest my head on the carpet feeling something close to satisfaction. I stop outside Sam and Joe's bedroom and gently push open the door. Sam, the eldest, is in pole position asleep on the top bunk, Joe on the bottom, and Fred on the floor underneath, like a club sandwich. No matter how many times I return Fred to his own room during the night, he has an innate homing device that leads him either back to his brother's room or to the end of our bed, where we often find him asleep in the morning. I stare in wonder at my sleeping children, their limbs casually strewn across beds and floor, and my restless thoughts fade. During the day they are in perpetual motion, and it is impossible to freeze any moment for more than a few seconds. Asleep, there is a chance to observe the exact tilt of a nose or constellation of freckles. I touch Sam's hand to wake him up, but instead his fingers curl tightly around my own. Their body clocks are still on holiday time. I am instantly transported back to that first moment shortly after Sam was born, when he did this for the first time, and that surge of untapped maternal love spilled over, and I knew that nothing would ever be the same again. Sam is almost nine years old. I stopped being able to lift him about two years ago. He is too big to sit on my lap, and I am no longer permitted to kiss him farewell at school. Soon he will be lost to me entirely, but all that warmth of early childhood will have been stamped upon him. Surely there will be reserves of affection that he can draw on during the dark teenage years when he sees us with all our flaws. As he lies on the bed, his long-limbed body already clumsy with impending adolescence, I realize that I am looking at the last vestiges of childhood. 
I am sure this is why some women go on and on having children, so there is always a willing receptacle for their love. Joe stirs first. He is a light sleeper, like me. Who will help Major Tom? He asks before his eyes open, and I feel my heart sink slightly. Playing David Bowie on our way to Norfolk during the summer holidays had seemed like a huge step forward in the fraught world of in-car entertainment. The narrative quality of his lyrics would appeal to the children's imagination, we thought. And they did. But we never moved beyond the first track of changes. Why did the rocket leave him? He asks now, peering from beneath the duvet. He got detached, I tell him. Why wasn't there another driver to help him? He asks. He wanted to be on his own, I say, stroking his hair. Five-year-old Joe is made in my image with his wild brown curls and dark green eyes.